0: everybody welcome back to the transcend human podcast great having you with us as usual let's see where are we at here episode 123 july 11th 2022 another beautiful sunny monday morning here in southern California and let me start by just doing a few things so uh I've got something I want to share with you and I'm not it's not a fully baked idea yet so, I'm going to be very vague and very general, Um, but basically I'm working on a series and I have no idea when it'll launch. It'll be either in the next couple of weeks or it'll be a month from now. I don't know. I guess it all depends on how much research I'm able to do, how much I'm able to get written um, in order to flesh it out. But the gist of it is it basically all goes back to this whole concept of deconstructing our faith or deconstructing our religious beliefs. And, you know, it's become a buzzword here lately. And I know there's a lot of people who just use it to use it. But it, at the heart of it, at the core, deconstruction is a thing. It's a huge thing. It's a thing that many of us have experienced in the past. It's something that many of us are going through right here and now. Um, it's something that, uh, we were just talking with some friends last night and, uh, you know, they kind of brought up the whole fact that this is something that a lot of people are struggling with in the, in the wake of COVID, right? Just going through the two years of uncertainty and chaos and, uh, people who went to church and then all of a sudden for a year or so could not had to really deconstruct their, their belief system about physical church, about in-person church, about the structure of the church, the chaos of the church. And it didn't help that um, the podcast, The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill came out <laughs> right on the heels or right in the middle of all of this, which then you know just added another layer to that conversation that people were having with themselves about their belief system. So, I know we've talked about this before on the podcast. I know that we've had, you know, some, some episodes I've spent a fair amount of time talking about it, but there's just something inside of me that was like, you know, it's a big enough thing right now with the polarization we see in our country, the political climate, uh, the, the wake in the wake of the Roe v. Wade decision and not just Roe v. Wade when it comes to abortion, but Roe v. Wade when it comes to privacy. And kind of this waterfall of effects that are going to happen, this ripple effect that's going to happen in our country as more and more of these um, these rights that were provided through Roe v. Wade and through the privacy um, part of the Constitution are now being repealed or getting looked at in a whole new way. So, yeah, I knew that it was going to be a fairly big thing. Uh, it would take quite a bit of time to flesh it out if I really wanted to do it well. And so, yeah, that's that's really all I can say about it. Because like I said, I I have the idea. I have it pretty well formulated in my head. However, if I put together three, four, five, six episodes you know, on it, it's going to take some time. So just throwing it out there, it's something I'm working on. Um, and hopefully I'll be able to jump into that. Uh, in the next few weeks to months um, as we move forward. That being said, let's jump in today. So our minute of transparency, I'm going to call getting my life back. So I, I feel like I've been pretty transparent on the podcast about my struggles with alcohol. Um, I'm over, over a thousand days clean and sober. So it's it's been a while. It's been a hot minute since that was a part of my life. Definitely not something I'm proud of. Um, but at the same time, it's one of those things that I've learned. I just can't hide it. I can't lock it down, sweep it under the rug, pretend it didn't happen, lie about it. Uh, And I've also learned that there is a level of peace that comes in being transparent. So the more open that I am about it with my wife, my kids, my family, my, my friends, and even here on the podcast, the less shame there is Uh, At the end of the day, right? The stronger I feel as a person um, because of that willingness to talk about it. So, some of this I learned the hard way, um, but I've also learned a lot of it from other people. So, a while ago, I joined TikTok and and it was mainly for marketing purposes, right? I just wanted to get on the platform, talk about Transcend Human, and and hopefully that, you know, spread the word about Transcend Human and, and brought more people into the fold when it comes to the podcast and everything we're doing over here. But for some crazy reason, this other thing happened. First, I found that the marketing piece was a pretty small part of it. Sure, it might help. might help people find us. But at the same time, the, the bigger part was me just being able to jump on at any time and talk about what's going on in my life, provide small chunks of information about Transhuman, Human along the way, things like that. And then there, there was another interesting piece that I found, and that's that there are a lot of communities out there on TikTok. And one of those communities is people in recovery. So people willing to be honest and transparent about how they feel, um, you know, what what they're going through, all of that kind of stuff. And one of the people on this community is named Jenna, um, and she's one of the bravest people I've ever seen in this realm, right? And I love it. I, I literally, I found her early on and was immediately attracted to her story, her process, the way she thinks, the way she talks about her recovery. Um, I just love every bit of it. Uh, she starts every one of her TikToks with, hi, I'm Jenna. I'm, a, I'm an alcoholic and I've been sober for, and then she lists the number of days that she's been sober. At this point, she's been sober for over 300 days and I just love her story and her, her way of explaining how it impacts her life every single day. Um, she attends the random AA meeting, but she doesn't view AA as the end all be all the way uh, a lot of other people in recovery do. Uh, she still struggles with her demons and there's just something real about her. I hear things from her that I feel deeply inside of myself. It's comforting. It's reassuring. It tells me that I'm on the right track. Um, by choosing to talk about it. But that's not the only piece of my story I wanted to talk about this morning. So what I wanted to do is discuss the getting back to life part or getting my life back part, because that was really the goal, right? That was really the reward, the whole reason for doing the hard work to stop drinking. So Jenna, uh, along with others that I follow on TikTok, talk a lot about this, how they got their lives back, how for so many years, uh, they weren't really living, how life was kind of this fog or this tunnel before getting sober and how nice it is now not to experience the daily struggles that come along with an addiction. Uh, Jenna refers to her alcohol as her toxic boyfriend (laughs) that, that she was involved in a toxic relationship for many, many years. Um, Another thing I saw, I think that I saw this on Instagram, was a, you know, memes about or phrases or mantras that come along with the the sober life. And one that I saw recently was something to the effect of people who drink a lot, people who become alcoholics, are giving up everything for one thing. And people who chose sobriety are giving up one thing so that they can have everything. And I just thought that was really good. Um, But mostly what I hear coming through the stories that these people tell on social media is this thing called gratitude. So these people are grateful, grateful to be free from the prison that they were in. Grateful for clarity, peace that comes along with sobriety. Uh, This feeling that they got their lives back, that they got a second chance or better yet that they were given a new life, right? Something even better than the life that they had prior to drinking. And that's probably how I would describe myself. When I stopped drinking, I didn't just get my old life back, I literally started a whole new phase of life. Yes, uh, it was the old me, right the me that existed prior to drinking, but with an entirely new worldview, a new outlook on life, because an addiction takes a toll on you, both physically and emotionally. It chips away at your passions, your energy, and ultimately your self-esteem. Every time you try to stop and you fail, you feel like less and less of a person. And eventually those feelings can lead to giving up altogether, Uh, giving into the alcohol because what's the point, I can't stop anyways. And that feeling, that feeling like you're trapped or that your freedom has in some way been taken away is one of the worst feelings in the world. So when you get sober and you start getting your life back, it's bittersweet, right? You you start to experience life again without the fog. You appreciate your life on a whole new level. You remember that trapped feeling, and it makes your newfound freedom that much more tangible. And for many of us, this comes with a forced humility, is what I would call it. You don't throw your hands in the air as if you've won a race, saying, Look at me, look at me, I'm so awesome, look at my accomplishment. No, it's the exact opposite because there's this forced humility that comes with true sobriety. You know the power it held over you, and you know how easy it would be for you to fall right back into it, because an addiction is a very powerful force. So you are grateful, thankful, and yes, proud of yourself for doing the hard work, but all with this level of humility. And this is what I mean when I say that I'm different, right? That I'm a new person with a new world view. I hate that I went through those difficult years, but at the same time, I know the person I am today is due in part to that experience. I look at the world differently. I look at people differently. I look at my life differently family, parenting, money, things of faith, all differently. I did get my life back, but it was a life that I didn't see coming and one that I could never have predicted, which is what leads us to today's topic transcending more. Today we're going to talk about four different things. First, I was made for more. Two, more of me. Three, more for others. And four, more for later. Number one, I was made for more. So have you heard this phrase before? I was made for more, or you were made for more, or we were made for more. I ask because on the one hand, it seems like a pretty common phrase, something that everyone's probably heard. But then on the other hand, maybe not. I grew up in a Christian bubble, so for me, it could just be from that. Uh, When I went and did a Google search for the phrase made for more, this is what came up on the first page of search results. A devotional by Faith Gateway, a book written by Joel Osteen's sister, Lisa, a music video by the artist PETA, which has a very spiritual and religious flair to it. Um, a sparkpeople.com success story, and then a handful of Facebook posts from Calvary Baptist Church. So, that to me suggests that it's pretty spiritual, it's pretty religious. So, maybe it isn't as popular as I think it is. Um, most of the results were spiritual in nature. So, I'm leaning toward the fact that this phrase may be more popular in Christian circles than it really is in our culture at large. But that's fine because There is something very spiritual about the idea itself, which is why I wanted to talk about it on this episode. I mean, on the surface, I was made for more just has a spiritual ring to it, right? To me, I I imagine things like this. Uh, There's the normal me, and then there's the me that I want to be. There's the me that lives in this world, and the me that feels like there's something more than this world. There's the me that takes the easy way out, and the me that does the more difficult thing. There's the me that follows the crowd, and then there's the me that could lead people in a positive direction. There's the me that takes the six-lane highway, and then there's the me that takes the small winding path. There's the me that chooses to keep drinking alcohol, and the me that chooses the path to recovery. And there's the me that gives into the human condition, or the me that attempts to transcend human all of those things seem very spiritual in nature, right? This idea that there's something transcendent, something that hovers above our normal human existence. Now, what do I mean when we say spiritual? Well, according to dictionary.com, spiritual means first of relating to or consisting of spirit, duh, or the second definition is of or relating to the spirit or soul As distinguished from the physical nature. Now, that's much more helpful than the first definition because it suggests that being spiritual has everything everything to do with our spirit or our soul, right? This piece of us that is uniquely different than our physical self. Now, this isn't exclusively a Christian thing. In fact, most world religions would say that we have a physical body and then a spiritual component. In fact, even the scientific community, right, psychologists differentiate between the physical and what they would refer to as the psyche or the personality of a person, which is made up of the id, the ego, and the superego. They may not refer to this as the spiritual part of a person, but it really plays the same role. I mean, I find it interesting that the superego is the part of our psyche that is responsible for our morals and values, helping us determine if something is right or wrong. Now, of course, a psychologist would be quick to explain that this higher level of thought doesn't come from God, so it can't be spiritual. It's simply something that develops over time based on the people, places, and things that helped define our childhood, that helped raise us. And while I agree that those things do help shape us, I would also suggest that there is a spiritual element which resides within, both due to religious upbringing, but then through this direct connection that we have with our creator, which is the conscience. But we're getting a bit off track, so we're going to leave spirituality where it is for now, but I really want to lay that foundation for this conversation we're having on being made for more. Because it's important to understand that these two concepts overlap. Being made for more is related to the spiritual side of each person. And our spirituality is our direct connection to the more that we're wanting to achieve. Now, this isn't 100% true in every single situation. So, I mean, let me, let me give an example. So, let's say there's a person with absolutely no spiritual, religious, or whatever, you know, beliefs. And they still use this phrase. Let's say the person's a pretty good soccer player, uh, but they just aren't getting the playing time that they think they deserve. So they tell people, I was made for more than this. They work super hard and eventually they get more playing time and who knows, maybe they eventually wind up on a professional soccer team. Completely legit. And this happens for lots of people in lots of different ways. But I'm going to suggest that these are the exceptions and not the rule. For every person that tries harder and makes it in life, there are hundreds of people who try just as hard and don't make it, right? So I believe that the rule behind the phrase made for more is more of a spiritual one. That there's this level of thinking, behaving, and feeling that is consistent with what the world expects. And then there's this level of thinking, behaving, and feeling that is transcendent, that rises above the human condition. Now, this to me is the essence behind the idea of being made for more. It's seeing the difference between those two choices, the worldly choice and the transcendent choice, and choosing the higher path, because we know that that's where more exists. That's the more that we were made for. And this is the foundation for our conversation today. So for the rest of the episode, we're going to look at three versions of more that we have available to us. More of me, more for others, and more for later. So section two, more of me. So if I looked you in the eyes and I said, you are made for more, technically, I could be referring to any of the three things we're going to walk through today. But chances are your immediate thought would be yourself, the all caps Y-O-U right? You'd probably assume that the more I was talking about has to do with you becoming a better version of yourself, working on you, your thinking, your behaviors, and your feelings. And that's fine. Given that we live in this capitalistic society, we came by it honestly. Our culture thrives on individualism, the pursuit of personal happiness, survival of the fittest, being the best you you can be, pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, clawing your way to the top, Climbing the corporate ladder, all that good stuff, right? So let's look at ourselves in the mirror if we were made for more and figure out what that even looks like. So, if we truly morphed into this more character, what would we start doing? What would we stop doing? How would we treat other people? What would we look like? How would we dress? How would we talk? What would we do with our time? What would we spend our money on? Now, I could keep going with the questions and try to make sure I had a complete list, but that could get exhausting. So it might be better to start with the why and not the what or the how, because the why is very important. Just do an Amazon search for the power of why and see how many books come up. At this point, finding your why is a cultural phenomenon in this country because we're all about introspection and understanding ourselves better. We've learned that if we can figure out our why, it's the first step in doing something with intentionality. We increase the odds that we'll be successful. And ultimately, this is supposed to produce happiness, right? So let's jump back to the concept of spirituality for a minute, a concept that means different things to different people, to be sure, And because of this, I can only speak for myself as a Christian. I can't speak for every different religious belief or spiritual belief that exists out there. I can only speak as a Christian. And within this Christian tradition, we have a few core beliefs that provide the why. Now, I'm not going to walk through all of them, but they include things like the existence of God, who is a creative being who created us, the idea that Jesus came to earth, the fact that Jesus died for our sins the idea that anyone who believes in Jesus can go to heaven and live forever. Um, But ultimately, for the Christian, these concepts and beliefs all funnel down into helping us answer what I call the big three questions. And those three questions are, where did I come from? Why am I here? And where do I go when I die? So let's put these ideas together for the Christian. Being made for more is completely wrapped up in the answers To the big three questions. Why? Because it's the why. It's the why behind the what and the how. These answers give us the purpose and the meaning that we need in order to live our lives. Why there is a more to go after in the first place. So if I believe that I was created by God, a perfect being with no beginning and no end, that adds a whole new dimension to my life. If I take that knowledge along with the knowledge gained from seeing how Jesus lived his life and then throw in the fact that I can live forever if I choose to believe in him, that pretty much defines the concept for me of being made for more. So what does this look like in your life, right? I can only speak for myself. So for me, it looks like this. Choosing to live every day as a representative of my creator. Uh, Next, being a lifelong learner, which means always willing to learn new things about God, life, and my place in this world. Next, understanding that I have value and purpose simply because I exist, which in turn suggests that I should take care of myself, right? So maybe I eat better, I get exercise, I spend time in the sun um, or in nature on a regular basis. Um, Next, maybe it means I stay away from things that are obviously harmful to my body. Now, in my case, this means drugs, alcohol, pornography, among other things. Um, Also includes things like not giving into laziness or giving in too much to my introvertedness. And then for most other things, living life with this whole rule of moderation, right? Everything in moderation. So choosing to go easy on things that could become harmful for me. Things like caffeine, sugar, social media, entertainment, things like that. And then finally, looking at every situation in life as a spiritual decision. So on the surface, something, something might look very one-sided, right? Like you don't really have many options. But if you look deeper, you often find that you have multiple options or at least two options, right? One that the world suggests is fine, believing that there's no moral or value connected to it at all. And then another one that kind of understands that there's spiritual implications. And once you see those two different options and you start to see that there are spiritual implications, then it's up to me how I respond. Now, those are just a few of the things that I view as elements of being made for more individually, being more of me. Number three, more for others. So it was really hard not to mention this in the previous section because part of being made for more as an individual is also seeing that I'm not the center of the universe. It's moving my focus from me to we, from me to others. And you can't really disconnect the two. I simply talked about more of me first, because that may be where it's easiest to start, by looking in the mirror and seeing the things that we need to do to change ourselves. But very quickly, on the heel of those changes, should come this new vision for those around us, ultimately, this is what made for more means to me. It could literally have been changed to made for others, and I wouldn't have blinked. Because people who look out for other people and help others in need are more, right? They're different because they don't fit into the capitalistic culture that we've created in our country. And here's what I mean by that. So take survival of the fittest, and then take a person who helps an old lady across the street, and it doesn't compute, right? Um, Take climbing the corporate ladder and helping others achieve their dreams, and how are those gonna be compatible? Um, Constantly adding zeros to your savings account versus helping families hit by a hurricane. Take always making sure that things work out well for me or being able to see the needs of others. See how all of those things are kind of incompatible? And this is what we're up against, moving from a selfish worldview to a more open, sharing, integrated worldview. And I believe that this is often the most overlooked part of being made for more because we're all willing to entertain the first one, right? (laughs) That there are things that we can do to make ourselves better. But could it be that these or this desire often comes from a very selfish place within us? right? That we're not really out to make the world a better place. Deep inside, we believe that if we improve ourselves, it'll benefit us in some way, right? That it'll help us get something. The idea that looking better, being healthier, getting a better job will in some way help us be better than other people and ultimately help us achieve individual happiness. And then there's the final more, which we'll talk about in a minute, but it's the middle one that's often forgotten, being more for others, because it just isn't flashy, right? There's less in it for us. In fact, there may be nothing in it for us, because to be more for others often means that we choose to give away things or give up things for ourselves. Now, this is something that I've struggled with my whole life, choosing to put other people before my own dreams and my own desires. It shows up in crazy little ways, like, wanting things, material possessions, often ones that I don't really need, Um, finding it difficult to go out and serve, to go to serve events, right? Which I can easily blame on my personality because I'm an introvert, but that's not an excuse. Um, Viewing transcend human in my writing as my ministry. This is how I serve others. Now, this is still something that I have a really hard time with, and I haven't really come to a conclusion about it. On the one hand, I do view it as a ministry, right? When you add up all of the hours and all of the time that I put into this podcast and the fact that it doesn't make me any money, it feels like a ministry. It feels like I'm serving on some level. But on the other hand, it's a very clean ministry. You know what I mean? Like I'm not getting my hands dirty. Like I'm not helping real people in real world situations. So I get stuck and I go back and forth on it in my mind. But this is where my wife comes in and how opposites attract. My wife is much more outgoing than I am and she has always had a heart for kids. So over the years, we've spent a fair amount of time being bonus parents to kids who need help, right? Through the Safe Families program. Uh, We've had many kids come in in and out of our home, some for a weekend, others for an entire summer. Um, In the near future, um, we'll be certified as foster parents, which means that we will most likely have a new kid or two in our home maybe even by the end of this year, but we've also been able to help kids who are just friends of our own kids, kids who were kicked out of their homes, had no place to go, uh, and we were able to be a safe place for them as they reconnected with their own parents. Now, I don't say these things to pat myself on the back, and again, I don't know that this comes all that natural for me, but one thing I know for sure, I don't regret any of it, I mean, I believe that we were made for more and that this is the hardest part, the choice to be more for others. Now, before I leave this section, I can't forget to tie being more for others back to the second of the big three questions, which is, why am I here? This question of purpose and meaning. And from the Christian perspective, the answer should be pretty clear. Jesus came to live a perfect life, And in essence, he modeled for us what it meant to be made for more. And how did Jesus do that? Did he look amazing? Did he wear the right clothes? Did he hang out with the right people? Was he an influencer on social media? Uh, Did he drive the most expensive chariot? Did he live in a mansion by the ocean? No, actually it was the exact opposite. Don't get me wrong, he was confident because he knew who he was and where he came from. But everything after that was focused outward. He came to serve, to help those in need. He listened. He helped people understand understand things that they were confused about. He helped people see their worth. He stood for social justice. He elevated women. He talked to people of other ethnicities, even though they were considered less than in his day. And when push came to shove, he actually gave up his life for all of us, right? Jesus died a wrongful death on a Roman cross to make a way for each of us so that we can be successful. Jesus showed what it means to be made for more, and his life made it clear that the most important part of that is being more for others. I know, right? We all have a lot of work to do, but every little bit counts. Number four, more for later. So earlier I alluded to the fact that more of me and more for later— Are pretty easy compared to being more for others. More of me is simply working on myself, being the best version of me, often with selfish side effects, but it is what it is. And then there's more for later, which can be equally looked at as selfish, right? Because it has to do with the third of the big three questions. Where do I go when I die? And in very literal terms, others aren't part of this equation right? In the Christian faith, there's this thing called justification, which means we have been cleaned or fixed. Every human being is born with a sin virus, a virus that eventually leads to death. However, this is why Jesus came to earth. He lived the perfect life, free from the sin virus, and then was killed by the very people he came to save. Because Jesus didn't have sin in him, because he was actually the one who created us, His death became very important, right? It became this portal by which we can escape the effects of the sin virus. He made that way so that each of us could become vaccinated, if you will, from the sin virus, and then pass from this life into eternal life, the way that it was originally meant to be. So, this is the third part of being made for more the whole idea that we have access to more for later. And again, somewhat selfish because it's all about me, my future, and whether or not I want to live forever. But to wrap things up, I want to be clear. These three things should not be viewed as one-offs. Like, uh, I think I'll be more of me and a little more of others, but I don't really need any of the more for later stuff. My suggestion is that we view all three of these as equal parts of a whole. That in order to be truly made for more, We need to accept and pursue all three, similar to the big three questions, right? We can't just answer one or two and then stop trying. Every person on earth benefits from answering all three to know where we came from, to know why we're here, and to know what happens when we die. So in a very similar way, being made for more requires us to move in three directions, working to be the best version of ourselves, working to be more for others, and choosing the free gift of eternal life, which comes later. So let's land the plane. In the past, we've talked about the whole concept of the scratch, right, referring to this short little period of time that we have here on earth. We talked about how we can live for the scratch, which is just living for me right here, right now, survival of the fittest, taking whatever I can get, and and making our main goal the happiness during the scratch. Or we can live during the scratch as if we were made for more, living lives on purpose, living to help others, and living with a goal of living forever. This week, ask yourself the following questions. First, where do you land on this whole idea of being made for more? If you believe it, has it impacted your life? If you don't believe it, same question. Has that impacted your life? Number two, when we talked about more of me, what was the first thing that came to your mind? Is there something that you could do this week, some small step, something you could stop doing or something that you could start doing? Number three, same thing with more for others. What percentage of your day is focused on you and what percentage is spent helping others? And what would it look like to change those percentages a little bit in favor of other people? And finally, where are you at with more for later? I know, it's all about you, but it's still important. This is eternity we're talking about. Have you accepted the antidote to the sin virus? If not, I encourage you to make it official. Get the vaccine. It's free. There's no political strings attached, and you don't have to wait in long lines. That's that's pretty much a, an awesome deal right there. So that's it, folks. I think I have hit the wall. Uh, thanks for stopping by. I love it so much that you are willing to hang out, join me each week as we talk through some of these things. I hope you found this encouraging and that it gives you something to think about this week. Until next time, everyone, have a great week. Live like you were made for more. And as always, keep transcending humans.